Woodhouse Nissan offers a variety of SUVs and crossovers to fit your lifestyle. Whether you're looking for an SUV with high towing capability or a crossover with all-wheel drive, you can expect a variety of safety features, plenty of seating, ample cargo space, and innovative design to tackle virtually any adventure. Explore the Nissan lineup of SUVs and crossovers featuring Rogue, Rogue Sport, Kicks, Murano, Pathfinder, and Armada. Visit one of our two Nissan locations or shop online at woodhouse.com. is America with Rich Valdez, powered by PolitiWeek.com. And Rich Valdez is with us, former Christie administration official. You worked for Chris Christie, you've been in politics, a lot of public service stuff. Rich Valdez, columnist now with the Washington Times. This is America. Richie V, you're on the air with the nation. The nation. This is America with your host, Rich Valdez. What's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, your liberty-loving Latino amigo right here, 17 blocks away from Madison Square Garden, New York City. And on Friday was the day known as International Donut Day. Now, this dates back to 1938, back during the World War. Yeah, this is an interesting uh, factoid here. The Salvation Army says that National Donut Day, excuse me, was celebrated in Chicago in 1938 to commemorate the Salvation Army's donut lassies. These were women that went and supported soldiers by serving them baked goods in the field in France. So kudos to them. Thank you for Donut Day. I never would have thought that Donut Day was to serve our soldiers on the battlefield during World War One. And uh, I appreciate learning that. Now, there's also a bunch of news that happened this week. Crazy things as we kick off the weekend. Uh, but let me just give you some of these headlines here. Crazy stuff. Peter Navarro was indicted. Uh, our buddy Peter Navarro, you know, he heard him here on this program uh, discussing lots of things. He was Trump's White House trade advisor and uh, smart guy. Always had something good to say. We're trying to see if we could book him. Not sure exactly what's going on, but he was indicted for contempt of Congress and for refusing to comply with the January 6th committee subpoena. So I'll keep you posted on that as we move forward with that. But so far, all we know is that the indictment happened on Thursday, indicted by a federal grand jury for two counts of contempt of Congress, and these carry a a sentence, a possible sentence of 30 days or up to a year for each count for his refusal to participate. According to NBC News, Navarro refused to appear on March 2nd to testify in response to a subpoena handed down by the committee and also refused to give the committee 23 documents that that same subpoena was looking for. And again, he's spoken out about this stuff pretty clearly that he felt that it violated his executive privilege or Trump's executive privilege, presidential privilege in being work product related to the confidential nature of him being a White House advisor and that it wasn't just something he could turn over. So there's a... A bunch of stuff going on with that. As we have more news on it, I'll bring it to you. But I want to switch gears and get into some of the other news because, of course, Joe Biden, Joe El Baboso Biden, the stuff that he's saying on gun control, uh, he stopped the presses on Wednesday night, I believe it was, and he had a speech. And then he gave another one on Thursday. And it's back-to-back speeches. And I think the reason he's doing back-to-back is so people could say he's doing his job, he's on top of it. He's Plus, he's trying to stoke all the emotion from from all of these people that have been hurt. And I think the whole nation is mourning with them, the, uh, the people in Uvalde, Texas. But I think he does all of that so that he can leave early on Friday to go to his, uh, his house in, in Delaware and do what he does all weekend long. So anyway, I want you to hear a little bit of what the president had to say about his new sweeping proposals for gun control. 
We should reinstate the assault weapons ban and high-capacity magazines that we passed in 1994 with bipartisan support in Congress and the support of law enforcement. Nine categories of semi-automatic weapons were included in that ban, like AK-47s and AR-15s. And in the 10 years it was law, mass shootings went down. But after Republicans let the law expire in 2004, and those weapons were allowed to be sold again, mass shootings tripled. Those are the facts. A few years ago, the family of the inventor of the AR-15 said he would have been horrified to know that its design was being used to slaughter children and other innocent lives instead of being used as a military weapon on the battlefields, as it was designed. That's what it was dying for. Well, that's Biden, and he's already getting called out by folks saying that this is not exactly the case. Daily Caller is pointing out that Biden is stretching the truth on the 1994 assault weapons ban, uh, saying that, you know, after he gave his speech, he falsely claimed, uh, or during the speech, he falsely claimed that there was a considerable decline in mass shootings after the U.S. Congress passed the 1994 Violent Crime Control Law and Enforcement Act. This put that 10-year ban that he's talking about on manufacturing certain kinds of weapons, according to the writer, uh, Jonathan Turley in The Hill. So one of the issues that we have here is that where is Snopes? Where is the fact checkers when you need them? Because part of the big issue with this whole national conversation that we're having is we need to effectively define what an assault weapon is or eliminate that term from our vernacular because that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to take over. Another word that they're using right now is gender-affirming surgery, right? They're trying to use a soft and flowery language to fool people into submission on their will on this. So we're going to get into that a little bit later. But right now I want to talk about this because it seems to me that this is going to be the big fight for a while. And more and more people have that knee-jerk reaction when you have – Children that are murdered in cold blood, maliciously, horrifically, it becomes very easy to forget how the Second Amendment works and why we can't really budge on a lot of these issues that Biden's bringing up. Now, I think a lot of people would say, listen, Rich, it sounds common sense to me. And let me tell you, common sense is one of the most loaded words ever. When people want to insult you, they'll just say something like, it's just common sense or why don't you just use some common sense, right? They're, in, in a sense, they're telling you, you're stupid. Try to be smart. <laughs> and the fact is, it's not common at all. Some people have a, a really good sense for things way more than others, way better than others. But this idea that this is common sense is wrong. It's not a good idea to start to ban a weapon like the AR-15 because it's the, the weapon of choice used in things. And I'll make the example I've used before. It's not a good idea to ban cars or alcohol because that's what's used in every DWI that may become a vehicular homicide. Now, yes, it's a stretch. It's a little bit of apples and oranges comparison. But the point I'm making is the weapons that are banned, the weapons that an AK-47, a machine gun, these these are, I'm going to say, assault weapons, right? These are weapons of war. This is an M1, M4. These are the things that the military uses, the M16, if you will. That's not what Americans are using. It's not what they're buying, and it's not what these people are using for these mass killings. So I don't want to sit here and sound like the bad guy that wants to perpetuate more mass shootings. I don't. But I don't want to give an inch on the Second Amendment because the minute you give an inch, it's over. 
It's kind of like saying there's a bad guy knocking at your door and you, you can keep the door locked or you can crack it just a little bit to have a clearer conversation. Trust and believe once you crack the door a little bit, they're kicking it right in. And they're probably going to be waving that 4-4 right in your face. So I say don't give them an inch, not a single inch. We can't budge on this. Now, speaking of common sense, again, I said they use this as a trap to get you because common sense is supposed to be something everybody's behind. And of course, everybody's behind the safety of children. The reality is guns have been around for a long time. The AR-15 has been around for a long time. And we have not had these school shootings uh, while they date back to the 1800s. They haven't been as prevalent as they are. So it's not like all of a sudden we invented this brand new AR-15 and all of a sudden, boom, now we know that the AR-15 is is the cause of this. Obviously, that's not the case. But I want you to hear this clip from uh, MSNBC. Uh, I think his name's John Avlon. And he invokes the name of Reagan. And this is something that the left will do on a regular basis to try to uh, get conservatives to pivot when they don't like the direction they're going in. Listen to this. What would Ronald Reagan do? For a long time, that was the question conservatives always asked themselves. President Reagan, of course, was a rock rib conservative with a reassuring smile. So broadly popular that he won 49 states in his landslide reelection. He was ideological, but not an absolutist. That was particularly true when it came to gun safety policies, which is where Republicans could take a note today. Now, to be clear, Reagan was a lifetime member of the NRA. He believed strongly in the constitutional right to bear arms and even signed a bill rolling back many gun restrictions in 1986. But Reagan understood that this was not an unlimited right, like Justice Scalia. And at last at least three occasions in his long career, Reagan advocated for common sense gun reforms and helped get them signed into law. Common sense gun reforms. Now, look, this doesn't mean to be some sort of absolutist all the time. I, I agree with that. I think you have to be an absolutist on the Second Amendment, which is very clear because the Second Amendment is very clear when it says shall not infringe. So I think that's the key phrase that's important to understand. It either infringes or it doesn't infringe. And I guess it becomes somewhat debatable somehow. But to me, it's, it's somewhat clear. And I'm, again, I'm, I'm not trying to be too rigid here. I want to have a conversation. The problem is if you begin to dilute a law thinking, oh, but certain limitations are good. You know, they really should wait till 21. Again, we can have a conversation about that. But to me, it's it's not a sensible conversation unless we're really saying, look, what's the whole deal here? You think that they're not emotionally mature enough, even though these guns have been around for for a long time and and. This hasn't been the case for a long time. Okay, so you, you, you can do certain things at a certain age and you can't do them at another age. We need to take a look at the age of majority and figure out what is consent. When is it going to be? Is it going to be at 21? Is it going to be at 18? At what age can you pick up uh, an M1 or an M4 and go serve the United States military overseas? At what age can you go and rent a car? At what age can you be legally held accountable? Is it going to be 18? Is it going to be not? When are you able to vote? When are you not? If, do they want to push everything to 21 or not? I mean, this is the bottom line. I think there's different ways of looking at this and thinking about it, but we shouldn't be cherry picking things just for the sake of political expediency and to satisfy our immediate need because people's emotions are raw and inflamed right now. We have to be sensible. Let's use common sense, right? Use a common sense solution, if you will, uh, which uh, I, you don't hear me talk about often. Because ultimately, this isn't about common sense. This is an uncommon problem that 
can only be solved by some uncommon thinking. We have to think outside the box and figure out what's going on. It doesn't mean we have to change the Constitution, per se. It just means we need to figure things out. And I think if people are so concerned about age, which to me is, honestly, it's rather irrelevant. I don't think it's about age. I think it's about common sense. How about that? <laughs> now that I got that word stuck in my head. But honestly, I think we just need a, a legitimate approach here. So we can say, look, if it's age, let's fix the age thing, but let's fix it across the board. Or let's realize it's not about age, right? It's actually about trying to stop evil. And sometimes we're not able to stop evil. Sometimes you can have a school that's outfitted with locks on the doors and buzzers and this and that and its own police department and different things can fail. And I'm, this is not me justifying what happened. It's unjustifiable. But it is me saying we have to be realistic in our expectation. The reason I worry as a parent is because I know it's not a safe world. I know that sometimes people send their kids out and they don't come back. And that's a horrible and gross reality that we have to live with. And yes, we should do a lot of things to mitigate it, but we can't lose sight of the law in order to achieve that goal. I hope that made sense and it wasn't insensitive to anybody that's listening from the Uvalde area because that's not my intention. Anyway, we're going to continue on that theme. Plus, I also want to talk about uh, some of the other things that are going on, like what Ron DeSantis is doing in Florida. He's fighting back gender reaffirming or gender affirming surgeries, as they would call it. So don't move a muscle. Keep it locked right there. I am Rich Valdez at Rich Valdez with an S on all the social media. You're listening to This Is America on 1210 WPHT. This is America. This is America. College can be expensive, but saving now can help your students save later. Give your child's college savings a boost by registering for a chance at a $1,000 savings plan deposit for 6th through 12th graders. Sign up today at iowastudentloan.org slash register. Woodhouse Nissan offers a variety of SUVs and crossovers to fit your lifestyle. Whether you're looking for an SUV with high towing capability or a crossover with all-wheel drive, you can expect a variety of safety features, plenty of seating, ample cargo space, and innovative design to tackle virtually any adventure. Explore the Nissan lineup of SUVs and crossovers featuring Rogue, Rogue Sport, Kicks, Murano, Pathfinder, and Armada. Visit one of our two Nissan locations or shop online at woodhouse.com. Woodhouse Nissan offers a variety of SUVs and crossovers to fit your lifestyle. Whether you're looking for an SUV with high towing capability or a crossover with all-wheel drive, you can expect a variety of safety features, plenty of seating, ample cargo space, and innovative design to tackle virtually any adventure. Explore the Nissan lineup of SUVs and crossovers featuring Rogue, Rogue Sport, Kicks, Murano, Pathfinder, and Armada. Visit one of our two Nissan locations or shop online at woodhouse.com. Uh. Richie V, I want to thank you. People need to know you're not only a great call screener, you're even a better broadcaster. All right, thank you to the great one for that shout out, for those kind words. Welcome back, WPHT 1210, Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love. Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S. I'm here with you guys till the bottom of the hour, well, actually, till the, till the full hour, but we're kicking off the weekend. I want to talk about what's going on with uh, the economy a little bit, because there was some big news this week, and I want to get to that. But on Friday, the uh, White House was uh, was a little bit of a zoo. 
because Elon Musk says he's got a super bad feeling about the economy and a White House reporter asked Joe Biden what his thoughts were. Check this out. Elon Musk has asked, has said that he has a super bad feeling about the U.S. economy. He's laying off 10%. What do you say to Elon Musk about his feeling about the economy? Jamie Dimon has said some more things. Well, let me tell you, while Elon Musk is talking about that, Ford is increasing their investment overwhelmingly. I think Ford is increasing the investment in building new electric vehicles, 6,000 new employees, union employees, I might add, in the Midwest. Um, the former Chrysler Corporation, Stellantis, they are also making similar investments in electric vehicles. Intel is adding 20,000 new jobs for making computer chips. Um, so, uh, you know, lots of luck on this trip to the moon. I mean, I, I don't, I mean, you know. <laughs> Game point Biden. I think that was actually funny. <laughs> Good luck on his trip to the moon. I'm not going to make fun of him on that one. I think Joe El Baboso, take two. I think Joe El Baboso Biden scored. I think he just dunked on Elon here, uh, especially as Elon, uh, announced he's cutting 10% of his staff because of this. And Biden came through with, uh, even though there's less than 400,000 new jobs on the jobs report, it was more than, you know, the um, the forecasters expected. And of course, these forecasters, he twisted their arms. was like, hey, hey, you know, I want you to say there's only going to be this many so that if I get a little bit, you know, more than that, I look like a hero. But uh, I think he's got a new spring in his step and he's headed over there to Rehoboth to have a great time this weekend. And Janet Yellen. Now, Janet Yellen finally comes clean and she admits she was wrong about inflation. But you know who else uh, was correct about inflation? That's right. Donaldus Magnus, El Trompito, the 45th president of these United States. He called it back in June of 2021. Listen to this. But the economy, you've got inflation that's going to be rampant. And we've seen inflation before. You have. I remember you a long time ago. When the world was cratering and Jimmy Carter and all of this stuff, the things that were happening were not not even believable, where interest rates were going up to 22 percent. Prime rate was over 20 percent. It's it's what's going on now is exactly the same, but it's worse. It's much worse. What they're doing now guarantees. And you already have massive inflation. Look at food prices. Look at gasoline. We had energy independence. And now. That's gone, Stuart. It's gone. And that's uh, Donald Trump on with Stuart Varney, Fox Business Channel, June 7th, 2021. That was a year ago. But of course, there's more, like they say on TV. But wait, there's more. Because Janet Yellen finally came clean. And I want you to hear what she had to say. Listen to this. But it wasn't just the president who got it wrong a year or so ago. I want to play for you what you said about inflation last year. Listen to this. Is there a risk of inflation? Um, I I think there's a small risk, and I think it's manageable. Manageable? This lady's clearly not spending my money. Oh, oh wait, maybe she actually is. It's not manageable. I don't anticipate that inflation is going to be a problem, but it is something that we're watching very carefully. Was it a mistake, Madam Secretary, to downplay this inflation risk? Did that contribute to the problems we're all seeing right now? Well, um, look, I, I think I was wrong then about um, the path that inflation um, would take. As I mentioned, there have been unanticipated and large shocks to the economy that have boosted uh, energy and food prices and um, supply bottlenecks 
that have affected our economy badly that I didn't at the time didn't fully understand. She didn't understand because she wasn't paying attention because you just heard Donaldus Magnus El Trompito, the 45th president of these United States. He just called it out. And, and I have other audio that I just I'm not going to play for the sake of time where he called it out even earlier than that, because it, back when he was on the campaign trail, he said, if Biden gets elected, we're going into a depression. People thought it was hyperbolic back then, but he explained it. We're going to go into a, a recession, first inflation, then a recession. Now she says, oh, I didn't see the inflation coming, but yet everybody else did, including the great one, Mark Levin, spelled it out clear as day on his program back in March of 2021. So clearly people knew. Now, the bigger question here, she says, but there were unintended uh, or unforeseen consequences. The only unforeseen consequence that we have is Joe Biden himself. The fact that he's a leader uh, or the leader, I don't think he's a leader. I think he's the leader and and he's puppeted by a lot of people. And I really don't care who's puppeting him, to tell you the truth, because I can't impeach them. I can't vote against them. I can't criticize them because we don't really know who they are, whether it's Obama or Soros or all of the above. So the question here becomes, how do we hold these people accountable? We got to get rid of Joe Biden. That's bottom line for me. I think we got to replace every last Democrat that we can in Congress. And it doesn't mean that Republicans are the be all end all of everything good and holy in America. It's far from it. But it does mean that right now the Democrats are a dumpster fire and Republicans are the closest thing to liquid that you can find to put out that dumpster fire. And that's the bottom line. Now, something else that I wanted to talk about was Elon Musk. And and again, he, I know he's doing a lot of things to grab a lot of headlines, and I, I don't always like to, to jump on the bandwagon, but I thought the topic was interesting. He he made a comment about workers returning to work, and to my surprise and to my chagrin, I'll say, most of the people that I encounter actually want to work from home, even in the comments. And it was, you know, the internet, Twitter was ablaze with commentary. And I'm thinking to myself, why on earth would you want to work at home? And I, I've asked a few of my friends and they're like, oh, you know, I have one friend, same age as me, but he's got very young kids. So he drops them off in the morning to go to school and he, he his wife picks them up. And, you know, they have they you know, I've been I've done that already. So, you know, I'm not at that point in my life right now. But he was like, you know, this is the best thing ever. I love it. He's like, I love it. I don't put I don't put on shoes. I just, you know, I'm in sweatpants all day. I do what I got to do. Working from home is the best thing ever. And, you know, it's, it's a, a thing of ease for him. And I find it to be extremely limiting. I think working from home, you know, especially doing this type of broadcasting radio work, and I mentioned it before, but this might be my new squeaky wheel that, you know, begging for the grease, begging for the oil over here. All I've got is, uh, is a microphone and equipment and all that stuff in the studio here, but I don't have a producer that's right next to me. I have to deal with a producer through Skype. That's not the same. And uh, I don't know, maybe I'm just being a whiner, but I think it's just not the same. And I think you could see the production value and quality, not so much in radio, but definitely on television when you look and you you see these beautiful studios and then you see, you know, the guests or some of the co-hosts when they're, you know, remote and they're in their living room or wherever. And it's just, you know, it's a spotty Skype connection or a Zoom connection. I don't know. I think things are better done in the office. I like going to the bank and seeing the cubicles filled with people doing banking and people online waiting to bring their money to the teller or take their money out or do whatever. You know, dur- during the pandemic was one thing. But now when you go to the bank, there's still like half of the cubicles are open. Uh, whenever I go, hey, we're so and so. They're not here today. You know, because I think they do like a hybrid. They work from home certain days. They rotate. There's always, you know, there's five teller windows and there's always one or two tellers. 
Now, that could be demand, but I think it has to do with all of this. Now, these are just my experiences. But uh, Musk, he says, we have to show up to work or you're getting fired. And he's talking to Tesla executives. Now, again, I was surprised that most people were like, no, because productivity goes up, productivity goes up, productivity goes up. So when we come back, I'm going to read a little bit from an article that says, no, productivity doesn't actually go up. It actually goes down because people are more comfortable. They're, they're less focused. There's nobody there to look over their shoulder. And, you know, of course, younger uh, employees make the case, oh, they don't trust me, this and that. Uh, but that's the side that I'm on. And I'm sure many of you are disagreeing with me right now. And you're shaking your head in contempt and you're saying, Rich, you know, I used to like you. Rich, I used to listen to your show. After this, we're through. Finito. Yeah, basta. Right? Because I think we should all go back to work. I think we should all be in the office. Certain people can pull off work from home. But for the most part, we have an economy and a world and a lifestyle where we go out and do stuff. You know, yes, you could probably order from a food truck and do Uber Eats, but what fun is it? I want to go get a Cuban sandwich. I want to drive to the Cuban restaurant. I want to smell the the pernil that they're putting inside of that sandwich, and I, I want to get the whole experience. I want them to say, algo más, something else. You know, would you like a cafecito with that? Of course I would. You don't get all of that. Nothing is as hot and as savory when you get it, when you get it through Uber Eats. And there was another article that I saw in Uber Eats uh, or a survey of Uber Eats or, you know, Grubhub people saying that eight out of 10 of them have admitted to eating the food on the way to drop it off. That blew me away. I don't know if it's just fries or what. So we're going to get into those topics on the other side of this. Plus, there's a whole lot more to come straight ahead. So don't move a muscle. Rich Valdez, 1210 WPHT. This is America. This is America. Woodhouse Nissan offers a variety of SUVs and crossovers to fit your lifestyle. Whether you're looking for an SUV with high towing capability or a crossover with all-wheel drive, you can expect a variety of safety features, plenty of seating, ample cargo space, and innovative design to tackle virtually any adventure. Explore the Nissan lineup of SUVs and crossovers featuring Rogue, Rogue Sport, Kicks, Murano, Pathfinder, and Armada. Visit one of our two Nissan locations or shop online at woodhouse.com. The 45th President Donald Trump thinks it's an honor to speak with Rich Valdez. Oh, very good. It's an honor. Thanks, Rich. The honor is all yours. Conservative talk with a dash of sofrito. Now, here's Rich Valdez. All right, America, welcome back. Rich Valdez at Rich Valdez with an S. And I want to get your... uh, your sense on this so make sure you weigh in at rich valdez with an s on all of the social media let me know make a comment at me let me know should people go back to work and again a lot of you are back at work but some of you still are working from home and may want to work from home forever and my thinking is you know i call certain places for customer service and whatnot and you hear you know this massive amount of noise you hear inferior equipment like you know can i help you Excuse me, what did you say? Hello, my name is Can I help you? And it's it's very difficult to understand people sometimes. So, and it's not because of a language barrier because they're somewhere else. I can deal with that. It's really because they're using something and they're like in their den or in their living room and they've got the TV on and they've got kids running around. And that's been my experience. So I'm thinking, you know what? We need to put a, a better foot forward. We need more of an emphasis on this. Now, what I find interesting here is this. Musk says all of that because he feels it's important for his executives to be there. And I think there's some science to that. There's some data. There's some studies that indicate that that is the right thing to do. But most people keep saying productivity goes up when you're working from home. And I'm thinking, look, 
uh, I know that I may be equally as productive whether I work from the home studio or I work in an actual studio, but I, I enjoy working around the real studio so much better just because, you know, it works for me. It works for me, and I get it. I'm not everybody. You know, I could hear people already, well, that's good for you, Rich, that you want to jump on a train and jump in a car and do whatever and have a commute so you can have a story to tell on the radio. Yeah, that is actually kind of how it goes. Uh, but it's these interactions that we have, to me, that is life. And what is life when you're not interacting with these people anymore? It's mundane, and there's a lot less going on. So it just, to me, it's just problematic. And another place I think it's problematic is with the uh, Uber Eats and all that. And I got that study, so I'm going to pull that one up. But there is, the jury's out, I guess I'll say, right? The jury's out because many people say that productivity is up when working at home. But there's another more recent study that states that the more hours an individual works from home, the less productive they become. Those who work full-time eight hours a day at home are 70% less productive than those who don't work from home. And that's according to uh, the website Apollo Technical, which has a link to uh, the actual study, which is at the uh, Wiley Online Library, onlinelibrary.wiley.com. And this is a really good piece uh, entitled Coworkers Working from Home and Individual and Team Performance. It's a study by Tanya Vanderlip and Zoltan Lipenyi, or Lipenyi, maybe. Anyway, um, I'll read you a little bit of what it says because I think it's interesting. And they talk about in this particular study, they build on the notion that coworkers cooperate and provide each other with various forms of support that are essential to the functioning of the individual employee. In the context of teleworking, it shows that maintaining a certain level of social interaction is important for employees functioning when they work from home. So they extend this argument to conclude that teleworking impacts not only the performance of those employees who are engaged, but also their coworkers, regardless of whether their coworkers are engaged in telework or not. And that's the rub. So they're disentangling the, the influences of individual and coworker telework scenarios. And it's relevant because it provides management with a more complete assessment of the potential problems created by telework. And this goes on. This is, you know, um, academic mumbo jumbo. But I thought this was really interesting because something else that they cite here is that while the work-life balance and working from home is a very popular thing, all of these studies dismiss one key thing, the impact that working from home has on their coworkers, which they say has remained hidden in previous studies because they did not account for coworker effects, which ultimately impacts the bottom line. Specifically, they demonstrate that coworkers working from home negatively impact employee performance. Moreover, team performance is worse when more coworkers are working from home. That's the bottom line. That's in the abstract of this report. I will tweet it out. But again, uh, new technology, work and employment. This is the journal that it's published in. Uh, March of 2020 is the edition authored by Tanya Vanderlip and Zoltan Lip. I think it's Lipe Nye. I just don't know how to say it, but it's a European publication and it cites other European publications that most people from the Society of Human Resource Management have been citing on why it's so good to work from home. So that's productivity, productivity, productivity. And uh, I, I agree with this because this makes a lot more sense. Plus, I have a little bit of a background in management. I spent about eight years as a manager in an academic environment, different schools and running the marketing and admissions offices. And it uh, 
this jibes exactly with what I always thought when people are like, oh, I want to work from home. No, it, it just doesn't work well for everybody else. It works great for you, but it's not great for the company is the bottom line. They make the argument happy employee, then everybody's happy. That's not true. It's only true when it's happy wife, happy life. That part is true. Now, I want to shift gears because Musk started this and it got me reading and I thought it was interesting. But apart from that, there's this article. And this is the one that's on studyfinds.org. This one's great. Eight in 10 delivery workers admit to eating a customer's food. Wow. 80%. 80% have admitted to this. According to a poll of more than 500 delivery drivers commissioned by the circuit route planner, stealing a customer's fries or putting their sticky fingers on someone's chicken may not even be the most disgusting thing happening on the way to the front door. One in four drivers confess that they've hooked up with someone in their vehicle. Oh, boy. One in 10 have urinated on or near a customer's home. Wow. That makes sense. They're on the road. They've got stop after stop after stop. They don't know where to stop. You know, they want to stay productive, right? Good old productivity. So there you go. Uh, anyway, let's go back to this. Uh, another 10% say they've had to urinate in a bottle of water, etc. This is getting gross, sir. We're talking about uh, whatever. Uh, and they've engaged in less than professional conversations with the people that they deliver their food to. Whoa, that one I'd, I'd like to hear more about. Anyway, other actions include drivers admitting that they are very angry with customers at times. Customers are angry with them for damaged packages, stealing packages, 17%, and opening and then resealing the packages they've admitted to doing that 70% of the time. So what's behind all the bad behavior? They say that delivery workers are not saints. In fact, nearly three and four delivery drivers say the biggest reason they don't like their customers is because they give bad tips. <laughs> Moreover, three in 10 accuse customers of tip baiting. When they use services like Instacart, tip baiting is a scheme where the customer places an order online, types in how much they intend to tip, usually a generous amount, and then zero out the tip after the delivery. Wow, I didn't even know you could do that. That is really messed up. 57%, more than half, say that they can't stand when customers let their dogs bark and harass them during the drop-off. And 30% of them say customers are simply unfriendly when they receive their goods. And the reason we're unfriendly, I can tell you whenever I've done this, and I don't do it often because I don't like it, everything is soggy. You get soggy fries, you get cold food. If there's condensation in a plastic bag, it starts to get soggy and moist. And it's just gross. And, and you got to pay extra. You pay a premium to eat colder or lukewarm food that's soggy. 25% of them also say they're annoyed when customers order something and they're not home or they don't answer the door after they've ordered it. Wow. And the bottom line was that 80% or 8 in 10 drivers said, yes, they have eaten your food on the way to drop it off. Now, that is what I think is absolutely insane. It's crazy. And I probably won't be doing a whole lot more DoorDash, Uber Eats, etc., Grubhub, because that just doesn't sound good to me. No bueno. Anyway, more to come straight ahead. I want to talk about how Ron DeSantis is attacking the left yet again, bringing it to their front door. Rich Valdez, 1210 WPHT. This is America. This is America. This is America. He's brown, he's bald, and he's breaking it down. This is America with Rich Valdez. All right, America, welcome back. Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all of the social media. 
And I want to talk about the one-two punch that Congressman Ron DeSantis, now Governor Ron DeSantis, has uh, been throwing at the left. Because you know what? He doesn't wait for them to push him so he can push back. He's not reactionary. He's provoking them, and I love it. That's what you got to do. You have to be on the offense. You can't be on defense. It's the only way to survive because that's what they do, and he uses the power of his office and the fact that they have majorities in their government in Florida to fight back against everything that they're doing at the national level, which trickles right down, right down to the communities where you and I live. So uh, kudos to him for doing that. I want to look at this piece. Uh, Somebody sent it to me this morning. I talked about it on Newsmax. If you're not watching Newsmax, then... Shame on you, then you're missing me and my beautiful head of hair. But I want to uh, give you a couple of lines from this because I thought it was a a remarkable article. Uh, Headline America's governor, Ron DeSantis, rocks the left with freedom and science-based governing. And that's because, you know what, he's following the science. They always say, you got to follow the science, follow the science. That's exactly what he's doing. Ron DeSantis, seemingly a household name, and a little fluff here. Let me try to get through this to uh, where it makes a whole lot of sense. But he... um, He's now asked the people that run his health department to say, look, we got to follow the science. Are these things that they're pushing now called gender affirming surgeries? Are these things safe and good for kids? Is this the generally accepted medical practice? Because according to the law, if Medicaid is paying for these things, they have to be generally accepted medical practices, not something that is um, investigatory, not something that might be uh, in in a trial phase. And lo and behold, this experimental stuff, this is what they're doing. They're experimenting with hormones. They're experimenting with puberty blockers. They're experimenting with the mutilation of one's breasts or genitalia to make you become this other sex. And they're suggesting that people do it as young as nine years old. And you hear this time and time again. In fact, I mean, teachers, teachers are so out of touch that I think they, at times, they they, uh, they they just push the agenda to a point where it's like, why are they pushing the agenda so, um, so fiercely? But they do. Listen to this. Today in Queer Teacher Things, um, one of my students asked about my roommate, because um, I know I have a roommate, and I told them their name, and they asked my roommate was a boy or a girl. I said neither and they were like no Miss Brown are they a boy or a girl I was like my friend they're neither they were like well do they have a boy name or a girl name and I said neither and they said well do they wear boy clothes or girl clothes and I said well what are boy clothes and girl clothes and they go you know and I said no my friend I don't know what are boy clothes and girl clothes and they said well what kind of clothes do they wear and I said well they normally wear jeans and a t-shirt and they said well what color is the t-shirt And I said, all colors. And they said, well, that doesn't make any sense. And I said, it doesn't have to make sense. And then they walked away because they got mad at me. So there you go. You see how teachers are pushing their agenda on students. The students are now mad at the teacher because she's trying to confuse them, trying to push her lifestyle, push her beliefs onto these students. And sadly, this is what's happening day in and day out with these younger teachers. There used to be women that became teachers and before that, men that became teachers that decided, I want to educate children, but that's no longer the case. Now it's a re-education. They want to undo what you're teaching your children. So Ron DeSantis is faced with saying, are we going to sit here while this is happening on my watch, which is clearly not right? This isn't uh, properly equipping someone to be successful 
in industry, to be successful in multiple areas of life. They only focus on that one area, the social, uh, emotional area of life, because they want that part to thrive. They want to push their agenda. They, uh, Randy Weingarten, right the other day, she said that they're mind workers. And you heard in the last episode of This Is America how they uh, talk about brainwashing people. This is key. And you know what? We'll replay that so that you can hear it because that's key. And that was back in a conference in 1992 on Sunday on WPHT. So make sure you don't miss that. But the bottom line here is Ron DeSantis has been a champion on so many issues. So when he says we're not going to fund a private company's political endeavors or anything else, he's not kidding. Listen to this. So I don't support giving taxpayer dollars to professional sports stadiums, period. And so, so at the end of the day, that, that was just the decision that was going to be made. Now, companies are free to engage or not engage with whatever discourse they want. But clearly, uh, it's inappropriate to be doing tax dollars for professional sports stadium. It's also inappropriate to subsidize political activism of a private corporation. So I think, you know, either way, it's not, not, not appropriate. But we were not... We, we were not in a situation where um, uh, use of tax dollars uh, for a, a professional stadium would have been a, a prudent use. And again, so DeSantis is spot on here, in my opinion, because this is actually the way to bring the fight. Now, again, according to Breitbart, the Florida health agency at the state level is saying, look, we can't do this. We can't look at this, quote unquote, gender affirming stuff if we're not following the science in consultation with several experts. They issued this report that concludes that sex reassignment surgeries, puberty blockers, and cross-sex hormone treatments for people with gender dysphoria are not proven as safe or effective. And that's a quote from the report. These treatments are experimental and investigational, and these studies that are presenting benefits to mental health, including those claiming that these services prevent suicide or lower or somehow um, reduce suicide, they're unreliable. And these surveys that they're using and retrospective analyses, both of which are cross-sectional, they're highly biased. And the article, you know, that they wrote goes into exactly why they're not allowing this. And you think this is a great use of taxpayer dollars. This is you paying taxes to have government administrators saying, look, we're going to actually do the right thing here. We're not going to just take your kid and comes in and says, Hey, I'm a little boy, but I feel like a little girl. All right. We're going to give you hormones to make you a little girl or a little girl that comes in and says, Hey, I want to be a little boy and we're going to give you hormones. You know, if anything, why don't you experiment the other way? If you're a little boy and you don't have enough testosterone to feel like a, like a young man, maybe give them that. How's that? Imagine that that would, to me would make more sense than saying, Oh, you don't feel like a boy. Let's turn you into a girl. I mean, it's absolutely insane, but the article continues saying that gender-affirming care is a euphemism intended to make the mutilation of the human body sound like a compassionate course of action. And it's been endorsed by far-left activists and Democrats, including the Biden administration, advocates for transgender medical procedures, and they always cite favorable reports by the World Professional Association for Transgender Health. The Biden administration has additionally been pushing for wide availability of these things that treat gender dysphoria for children. Why? Because this is what they do. 
even though these treatments can result in irreversible health consequences and they go as far as releasing a chart of recommendations for treatment. Now, another thing that they point out is that the most heinous option here on this chart that they've released involves transforming children's bodies via irreversible surgeries with a goal of, quote, aligning their outward physical traits with their gender identity. These procedures known as top surgery or bottom surgery, where they create a male typical chest or shape and enhance breasts to make a a male look like a female, or what they call bottom surgery, which is the genital mutilation of the reproductive organs uh, or using tissue to create a uh, artificial penis. All of this comes from the Office of Population Affairs, and it also lists facial feminizations and other procedures. The document goes on and says that these are some of the most grotesque aspects of these surgeries where young girls cut their breasts off and have fake penises built from the tissue of another body part. And this is definitely a challenge. And there's a few uh, videos that they include here of people having these surgeries. And you can see with scars all across their chest, it's a very difficult situation to look at. Bottom line here is they've in Alabama, they've they've done this. In Florida, they've done this. They're passing laws and they're asking the right questions. And the question to me always becomes, what is it that one can do? Where is it that we draw the line? People have to stand for something because if they stand for nothing, they'll fall for anything. So kudos to DeSantis. And I encourage each and every one of you to stand up in your own way because the only thing necessary for evil to triumph is for good people like you to sit there and do nothing. So don't do nothing. Do something. You know what you've got to do. Hasta la próxima. Until next time, America. I am Rich Valdez, and this is America. This is America. 